Welcome, everybody, to, to the PMP Weekly, episode 193. We're seven episodes away from uh, breaking to 200. Uh, apparently, we need to follow up with Sepp on that, if I remember correctly, how we yes, agreed on doing that. Now, it is today is 16th of January, 2023. Um, we are back from the vacation. We were back already two weeks ago or a week ago. You weren't even gone. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> gone. That's true. <laughs> um, uh, because that's actually a great time to get stuff done and catching up on things um, as everybody else is out. Um, today we'll have Leon Armstrong uh, uh, as a visitor and we talk about SharePoint or Microsoft Syntax um, and also what does that actually mean in practice and quite a lot of actually discussions on chat GPT um, and what does the, the artificial intelligence could mean in the enterprise world. Um, interesting discussion, which we already recorded, actually. So definitely, definitely, yeah, it is. It isn't like over the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of noise around Chad GPT and different things it could do. And there's also like as simple as it might seem on the outside in the open. Like when you think about it in the workplace, right? Like there are quite a few things to uh, take into account. So. Um, yeah, without further ado, let's jump to the interview with Leon and let's talk more about AI in the enterprise. Sounds good. Excellent. So welcome, Leon, uh, to the BMP Weekly episode 193. We are closing into the, the 200 barrier from our side, which is, which is of, of course, cool as well. But uh, even more cooler this time is to have you on the show. Can you talk about, Leon, who are you and what do you do for a living? Hi. Hi. Firstly, I'd like to thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I've been a long time watcher, so it's an honor to be invited uh, onto your show. Uh, so how about me? Uh, I'm Leon Armston. I'm a M365 consultant. Uh, well, I work for a company called Intelligy, and I'm uh, yeah based uh, near London in the United Kingdom. And uh, I'm a MVP in M365 Apps and Services. Uh, I was awarded in September this year, so I'm still relatively new. Uh, but yeah, my passion is in mainly SharePoint, uh, and I've been working with the SharePoint Spear uh, for, yeah, it's coming up to 2009. So yeah, coming up to 12, 13 years from SharePoint on-prem days to the cloud now, and document management and search and now yeah since the past couple of years I've been working with what was SharePoint Syntax to now uh, Microsoft Syntax so uh, yeah content and AI uh, basically um, so yeah sticking to my SharePoint roots but now I've got this added dimension of content AI. Yeah is it is it actually cooler to say that it's Microsoft Syntax rather than SharePoint, just out of curiosity. So what's the, <laughs> <laughs> behind uh, of the scenes, it's always SharePoint because <laughs> that's powering yeah. like Microsoft Teams and all of the services, always but. SharePoint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> SharePoint is, is the application layer for everything. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's cooler. Um, I like SharePoint Syntax because, uh, yeah, before Microsoft Syntax uh, brought yeah, content AI to the uh, to the head of all the Microsoft ecosystem. Um, yeah, SharePoint was kind of ignored. Like SharePoint was there in Teams, but uh, you didn't you could be using Teams and not be aware that SharePoint was uh, the the files layer or anything like that. And yeah, I liked uh, SharePoint syntax because it still kept uh, SharePoint uh, relevant. Uh, but now it's yeah, my, obviously Microsoft syntax to reflect that. 
yeah, Microsoft see it as a big deal. Uh, like uh, there's lots of investment, lots of engineering effort, and yep. it is just content AI. So it's not only yeah SharePoint now. It's yeah document, not just document processing in SharePoint. It's now uh, yeah going to be in the future site level backup. It's going to be backup of uh, Exchange mailboxes. It's going to be backup of sites of OneDrive. So yeah, it's. Uh, all-encompassing uh, a brand, almost like a Viva brand uh, now, the Microsoft Syntax. Uh, yep. is, now, uh, you kind of already explained that a bit. Can you explain for those who do not know, what is what is the Syntax thingy? What what does it actually mean? What, okay. what does it actually provide? Why would I care? Why would I have a look on more details? Problem that it solves. Yeah, problem what yeah, it solves. Yeah. That's actually a good point. Okay, so... Um, Putting you on a spot. I, so. I think... Um, <laughs> Pre-October uh, pre at Ignite, uh, October last uh, year, it was, uh, well, SharePoint Syntax, it was SharePoint Syntax. Uh, but yeah, before that, it was just for processing of documents. So you're a company, you've got uh, repositories of information and you've got, uh, yeah, people can't find them unless they're say ninjas at search or they have accurate file names or they uh, even yeah have somebody just opening those files reading them and getting the important information out of them uh, and yeah to be honest nobody wants to open it, a document uh, read it tag tag it uh, so yeah with microsoft syntax SharePoint Syntax, as it was known then, it's very confusing, the, the names, uh, but <laughs> we, we will get to the, the day where we just call it Microsoft Syntax and not have to yep. refer back to the past Historical. days. But yeah, but now uh, you can train uh, artificial intelligence models to, uh, yeah, to open those documents to extract, um, well, firstly, to do the classification, so to identify in a big repository, which ones are, say, the reports that you've trained your report model to. And then perhaps we need to get some additional information about that report. So we want to get, say, the author, what the title was about, whether there's any key figures, like any financial information in them, all stuff that a person would have to, yeah, would have to open that file and, yeah, read it and grab that information out and then tag it as a metadata for the document. So with Syntax, uh, we can uh, do all of that at scale. So we can train a model and then we can apply it to a library and it will just pick out all the reports, extract all of that information. And then the files are enriched with uh, metadata. So they can, uh, people can, if the libraries do say filtering, uh, find like the high value reports, like in terms of monetary amounts or the, the low value amounts, or say if it's a high value report, we've got like the whole automation story. So we can have a workflow that kicks off when a report is say over a certain financial figure that it has to go to like the CEO because the CEO is going to be very in interested in that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously there's the search aspect. Um, and yeah, once we've extracted that information, we've also with uh, in January last year, there was content assembly. So that was uh, creating documents um, with Microsoft Syntax. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yes, so mainly it was documents and now since October, uh, well, document processing since October, it is now, uh, yeah, turning into yeah, more of a, yeah, content, um, getting value from your uh, content, uh, but also your sites, uh, also, uh, yeah, archiving, um, there's, yeah, lots and, yeah, it's a very fast moving area. Yeah, and, and if you if you think about you know like recently over the last few weeks there was a huge blowout of the Chat GPT Open AI. If you could have or or if you had had a magic wand and you could wave it and you could have one thing like what would you want syntax to evolve, giving developments that we see elsewhere in the world? I think uh, that's a good question, but I think um, it's. From what I've seen with the open AI is like that is reading your documents and that is well reading all sorts of sources and then that is making uh, decisions. So with some of the announcements in October with Microsoft Search, so we're bringing more con contextual searching. So uh, you'd be able to I think the example that they uh, had was um, you could ask it a question like how many solar panels are mentioned uh, for example but in the um that wasn't like explicitly listed within the text of these uh, documents uh so like the search is going around and understanding and maybe adding up all these solar panels that are mentioned separately and then putting it all together but yeah so i think open ai will start start to do that well, it already does that, uh, my apologies, uh, but yeah, we'll do it on a whole new level. So I think a, a key thing that I see it being really good for is from SharePoint, like I've often built knowledge bases. So uh, yeah, we've often had a, say, a knowledge base for a, an engineering company or an IT company or whatever. And we've had to have someone curate that. Uh, but yeah, if OpenAI is is what it uh, yeah promises to be, then I don't think we will possibly need someone to curate it or anything like that. We will have the uh, AI to uh, curate it. So yeah, knowledge bases uh, I see as being yeah a big big winner for it. So, and yeah, also like yeah, I'm I Microsoft have invested. Well, they are an investment partner of OpenAI and they're investing more, I, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see how that can extend Microsoft Search and uh, yeah, Bing, obviously. Because um, yeah, it could be like, yes, yeah, your personal assistant, uh, basically. Sure. And, and I, I love the idea of, of having corporate specific content let's say, analyzed by the AI, whatever AI it is, of course, with the security and of course, with the, all of that stuff in the corp inside of the corporate world. And then you have like a analytics or helpers in place, which are making sure that when you're writing a, a order or a purchase order or whatever, basically it's checking that no no your wording should be aligned with these guidances because this is the corporate guidance when you're writing a code in your um, let's say vs code there's a corporate code review happening happening on fly which code is basically style, saying code, the code styling yeah, yeah. all of that yeah. because everything is basically then inside of the company the rules and, and benefits and there's a lot of interesting opportunities for there for sure and i think the chat cpt random sidetrack is kind of opening up the eyes for a lot of people like oh 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 okay now i get yeah. it and now it's actually now it's more 
con- con- now you kind of understand what's the art of possible. So mm. and that is also an interesting thing, right? Because when you think about AI at work, I, like AI in the open, like it has access to all the stuff that is available to yep. everyone and it just works, right? It gets really hard, I can imagine, when you think about in the context of work, where not all of the content is available to everyone, right? So one is just to have your own enterprise-wide instance of AI, the model, you know, that is going to be trained on the content you have internally, but then... And then the echoes, yeah. Exactly, the echoes applied, but how do you apply them to the model it trains or the model that it builds, right? And and how, how it's trained. In other words, if HR has a document that isn't open, a HR should be able to benefit from that, but nobody else, because that is it's a corpor- non-public thing. It's a corporate Mulder version uh, dedicated for you, because it's the Mulder version where you live based on the mm. echoes and permissions which you have. And that's going to be interesting. Exactly, but so. applying that to the model that... You should be smart, but only if you're talking to me. If you're talking to someone exactly. else, you shouldn't be smart. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That that's that is yeah. So as I'm having as we're having a discussion Leon, with you, um, then there would be an assistant which is basically saying, No, 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 you shouldn't be talking about that one, that information yet. It's not yet public because uh, Leon does not have the higher level NDA. But if the Leon has, then you can talk about those things. It's an interesting yeah. because then it's it's highly subjective, and then it comes to be this uh, the AI subjective AI, in, which is personalized, and that gets well. You can only imagine how tricky that gets. But you know, well, but it, uh, it's basically the same way we talk to each other, right? I mean, I can I can tell you about stuff, but I wouldn't tell somebody else if I know true. that they are. True. You know, so true. it's kind of yeah. we aspire. I think the same in the end. Yeah. Right. And, and the search is already working like that anyway, so because search is aware of echoes and permissions and all of that, but it's it's getting that in a completely different oh, I think dimension. Search so. is a bit easier because <laughs> yeah, of course it, is. it gives you back a document, whereas with AI, the answer it gives you could hint something. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And I and, exactly. and I and I don't know. I don't think that that the way AI is built. And I mean, I am no AI expert, so I have. I'm just guessing, but I don't think that. By the time when it comes to you with a, with a response, that at that time it goes to which re- resource it's coming from and what are the apples on that, and the, does the person yep. yet, am I allowed maybe. to use these things to answer? Who knows? Who knows? Not yeah. yet, maybe. But that's an interesting complexity for uh, the the developer in me is like, wow, that's an interesting challenge to tackle uh, because, oh, as yeah. you said, ChatGPT. It's public information and everybody has access on it. But now we get that to the corporate world. Wow. Yeah. So I know Omar Shaheen, who's actually moving, who's moving now or just moved from ODSP, so OneDrive SharePoint, to lead the word uh, development in Microsoft Word. Um, he's CVP and he's really into AI. So we can kind of start thinking on what's going to have happen in Word as well. And I love the fact that there was already kind of the, the idea of, of you would never start from a clean slate. So you would actually tell somebody that I'm looking into doing this kind of things and this tone and all of that and poof, and then you start working on it. So yeah, it's interesting with like, yeah, the development uh, aspect, like, yeah, with ChatGPT, you can say to it, like, do me some power, sh- uh, create me some PowerShell to, uh, create uh, 100 users, uh, yeah. they need to have this this location, this reading off this CV, CSV, and then I want to send an email to them. You can like say that and it will get you probably to about 95%, like it will create yeah. all the big loop uh, for you. And then, yeah, the the developer will then, yeah, make, make a few changes. 
the AI will probably get better uh, as as you keep doing it. But uh, yeah, that will get you 95% uh, there. Yep. So then you won't need to um, yeah you won't need to start start building it. You can already start from a yeah fresh yeah a prototype. And that's mm-hmm. a saving time, which means saving money, which means that you can use that time, save time and investment somewhere else rather than. And that's mm-hmm. actually the coming back on the on the Microsoft Syntax and what we are explaining how it actually works. And and uh, I think that's the one of the benefits of the Microsoft Syntax is that you can actually clearly show the value, which says saving time, automatic tacking, automatic metadata, because at, especially us who've been around for a long time, at some point there was a, this mandatory metadata. Uh, theme in in many years. You know, we we will force people to you do mandatory metadata. Exactly, exactly. Surprise, surprise! Then people started sharing their files using alternative yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, services. That's too hard. <laughs> so, getting this in place already saves a lot. And then, of course, that increases the searchability and findability of information because then the metadata is in place. So, mm. And that that's already. You can kind of calculate even the the return of investment because again, you can calculate roughly the time what is being spent because there is a cost related on syntax that's not free, right? Exactly. Yeah, the not, not so not so fun parts. Uh, yeah. Well, but, that's <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's highly efficient artificial intelligence doing a lot of Indeed, stuff. Indeed. So uh, no, when you when you use right uh, correctly, like yeah, we we've seen some great benefits with my with my customers and uh, yeah when the files are enriched with metadata I, I forgot to mention as well that they light up uh, Viva Topics as well like the other AI uh, knowledge uh, part of uh, Project Cortex so uh, yeah the the topics pages become better they they find uh, yeah more more relevant files because say they're tagged with a yeah Pacific uh, company so uh, yeah the there's lots, lots of savings, and yeah, we touched upon metadata. Nobody wants to uh, open files and tag metadata. Nobody wants like a big yellow prompt uh, saying you can't do this, uh, you can't. Yeah. Uh, so you cannot uh, save the file because you haven't provided metadata. Well, fine, I'll move yeah. it to wherever, whatever service then. <laughs> so and then the user doesn't want to enter, like type something out, so they'll just like type a couple of letters or something True. like that, and then they'll spell yeah. something in, incorrectly or put an ampersand yep. or an and, and then it'll all, yep. all appear different in search. So yep. yeah, if you can just have the comp, the the AI doing it, uh, yeah, it generally works a lot now, better. In, Everyone's happier. <laughs> now, in in theory, we can we've been having this discussion of the the automatic metadata for let's let's say a day, more than a decade because if you come from a content management world and document management in SharePoint, that was something even I I remember writing something on a server side for some customer to do some level of an automatic detection and whatever, um, and now we're finally kind of like oh, that's the promise of the SharePoint uh, sorry Microsoft Syntax. Um, see the changing of the products <laughs> that's so hard. Um, how how does it actually work? Now, let's let's strip away all of the marketing nonsense and and all of that stuff because we're just engineers, you know, on this nonsense. technical <laughs> technical people in this chat. Does it actually work? And and if I'm a company of fifty people, why would I care? Or is this more for a company of fifty thousand people? So where's kind of the sweet spot? I think Any it's. Uh, I, I think I've seen great success in both of those uh, scenarios. So. Yeah, it might work for say a small uh, engineering company that um, 
I'm doing quite a lot of work at the moment with uh, engineering companies that receive uh, technical drawing plans. So they're the big A1 uh, sheets with uh, yeah all the dimensions on, and yeah, we're we're scanning those, and each uh, plan always will have like a stamp on the right hand side could be the left hand side could be that but it'll have information about like the site title the um the drawing title the um the status the revision number so um, yeah yeah so we're rather than like these companies have got plans going back years and years like 20, 20 odd years so uh yeah, they don't want to again open all, all those up uh, and and tag them themselves. So yeah, they they are getting value by uh, AI uh, extracting those values and then yeah they can search. So yeah, they don't need to go into a physical library to pick up a physical yeah. plan anymore. They yeah. can uh, yeah go go digitize uh, and yeah find them. So the small companies. Um, it can just work well on just uh, one uh, library. So with some law firms, uh, with the content generation, you might have a standard contract that you send out to everybody and you just change the client name, uh, the company name, the date, the amount. Yeah, that that's really good for yeah just producing similar contracts. Um, and then companies that just receive a lot of information in, like um yeah application forms uh that could just be on one library uh that could they'd normally have to have someone open that up and type some details in so that could be syntax yeah just extracting the uh information from so it works with handwritten text or yeah uh type type text so um and then yeah with a lot of big companies i've done some work with projects uh so like you'll provision a, a project site for everybody um and then that will have some syntax uh models so say if it's an engineering company i'm using engineering quite a lot uh but uh yeah when they add their final report to the uh library the re- report model will be tagged uh when they add their drawing models uh the drawing model will be uh yeah will be initiated and extract some value so i think yeah it's it's use cases uh if you've got a a small uh requirement that's yeah very repetitive then it's very very good then but then yeah you also have the ability to provision these document processing models to to many sites so it can work really well in the the larger organizations but i think the key thing that i found is um it's not necessarily like a developer focused um uh, thing like um what microsoft have done is like built this um ai wrapper over syntax so behind the scenes you've got um yeah, all Azure resources like Azure Cognitive Services, Azure Forms Recognizer, but the end user, the normal business end user, doesn't see any of them. They just see it all in the the UI, uh, and it's all. So it's more. I we'll start with the proof of concept. We'll get people used to it, but then we'll train the end users to be able to do it because they know their documents best. Like they know 
what a typical invoice looks like. They know what a typical report looks like. They know when there's going to be differences and stuff like that. But yeah, I need to transplant myself in the company for a year sometimes to like know what uh, people know or even longer, like people have been there in their years. So yeah, well, I found like, yeah, it, it democratizes AI uh, yeah. to coin the phrase. Do you see it go, especially when you think about things like plans, do you think that someday we will be able to use it in a way that you upload a drawing and AI can actually understand the elements on it and will say like, hey, you put the window too close to the doors? Yeah, probably like, uh, yeah, at the rate that uh, AI is going at the moment, like, uh, yeah, I've um, with law firms as well, I found that they they want AI to like read the tone of the uh, the clause, perhaps that they put in there their contract uh, so yeah microsoft syntax is not there yet but like i know law firms are like wanting reading and yeah but no Those ai ai is rapidly growing so yeah i probably see that if that's not there already uh, that it probably will be there soon i'd imagine there was an interesting thing example uh, somebody shared the other day like how would they go about ai creating an nda Right. So they would say, like, one, ask AI to come up with NDA, then upload the created NDA to AI and ask it to find loopholes in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically have it work on and on and on to correct its own work and then finally send it to lawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you need like a, a loop, uh, like a for loop or something. Just keep yeah, like, uh, yeah. mistakes Just, in your own work. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this is now Leo. I, I have to I have to kind of have at least personal perspective. This is a good recap on on yeah. SharePoint is actually a great or sorry, Syntax and the Microsoft 365 Cloud, not necessarily just SharePoint, is a is a great still a great platform for this kind of a project and contractual things. Because uh, whatever reason, if you think about let's say past five years, we as Microsoft we've been focusing on more on corporate communications and teams and collaboration and all of that. But the Syntax is kind of a rolling that back to the basics, which is remember it's all about the documents it's all about the document management and and i know Waldeck has been around for creating these crazy large terabytes and terabytes of document management systems already on premises um and it's actually interesting to think something what you said related on the contractual things and scanning the are the, the images coming back on the engineering side is the Microsoft 365, from your perspective, is it reliable enough to think that the system will be there within 20 years? Because that's typical discussion point with the customers as well, like insurance companies. They can't invest in something which will be not there in five years. Um, now, SharePoint has existed now, well, 22 years roughly, which is a pretty long time for mm -hmm. a product. But do you do you kind of think this is a, a long-term safe way of investing? Mm -hmm. Uh, the document management side is Microsoft reliable enough? Oh, and of course, we are yeah. both Microsoft people, but <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> no. Uh, yes, uh, I, th I think so. Like I think um, like we've still got yeah lots of companies still uh, either migrating from old versions of uh, SharePoint to new yeah. to SharePoint Online, or they've got uh, yeah people are migrating from legacy other legacy systems uh, into SharePoint and. Yeah, so we're still finding that buzz of like, yeah, people still wanting to go into it. And yeah, people are not moving that 
like that quickly um, to go to other platforms or any anything like that. So like everything's in SharePoint. Uh, so and like yeah, I was really excited from October, like with all the big Microsoft syntax announcements. Like yeah, SharePoint as your repository, yeah, is a is a big bet. It's a big safe safe bet. I. Yeah. I believe. Don't uh, quote me in 20 years uh, on this. But, uh, <laughs> Remember, Leon, <Yeah. laughs> you sent this. this, this <laughs> but, no, there's there's lots of investment, and like, yeah, right. obviously it all ties in with lots of people using other features of M365, like Teams, and uh, yeah, and because like, yeah, Syntax is going to be able to go over like Outlook and stuff like that. So it's yeah, it's it's all all. Um, yeah, all very positive, uh, I believe. True. Do you do you see uh, still? So, in, obviously, there are regional and country level, let's say, adaptions and uh, how people are adapting things. You mentioned that the customers are moving away from like as a SharePoint, which is good. SharePoint 2013 support will stop in two months or so. Um, so stop using older versions um, and go to the cloud. Now, the, one of the big things for Microsoft, which we have announced, I guess. Well, I guess yes, we have. Uh, is is that we're betting on the local data centers, uh, which is also about, of course, from an EU perspective, important. Now that UK is in uh, a separate island, as it's always been a separate <laughs> island, uh, you are its own data center region as well. And then there will be those individual data centers in every single country, which are under the individual legislation on the country level. Is that an important thing? Is that a thing which will like, oh, yes, okay, now we can finally go there uh, because now it's under the UK law. Is that a, a does it have an impact in UK? Yes, um, I, we've had companies, I, I think what, um, with like Teams when it first started, like uh, you had traffic doing well, I was based in New Zealand at that time, and uh, we had traffic that we was going. Need to come back on that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, we, when Teams first came out, we had traffic that was going from New Zealand via Japan to USA, and then back to New Zealand. And like, uh, yeah, my, my, the companies wasn't that. Uh, they were quite chilled about it, but uh, I could see that being a big, big issue. But yeah, I think. Um, we have problems in the UK with yeah people not wanting their data in the EU or US. Uh, but like yeah, I think sometimes when new services start, uh, yeah, they often will start US first uh, yeah. and then then branch out. But uh, yeah, um, it's quite we're quite fortunate in the UK that uh, we've got lots of UK data centers, so it's not that much of an issue here. But yeah, I think it's. A problem for a lot of other countries. Yeah, and, and of course, at least in the, I'm not sure on the situation in UK, but at least the, the EU level legislation is now changing, which is basically none of, even the locks and access to the data center information is no longer available in US, which is which is really cool. So we are kind of making sure that nobody feels really bad about, no, no, but it's still the US company. And it's like, no, they cannot access that data center, period. It's isolated. <laughs> so, which, which will be an interesting operational challenge as well, because then you need to hire the local team, which is basically the one who's operating completely that, because you can no longer do centralized in a distribution. So, yeah. but it's, it's an interesting uh, change. Now, before we close up, you sent actually something interesting. You said that was before when I was still in New Zealand. So how do you get to be Leon in IntelliJ uh, and work in the Microsoft Syntax? How did you get to be this Leon? 
okay. in, this, in, in so, this metaverse. <laughs> indeed. Uh, so um, I was yeah born, born in the UK and then um, yeah lived and worked uh, in London uh, most of my life and then yeah met my wife who is from New Zealand in my late twenties and then yeah we decided to go to New Zealand because um, yeah wanted wanted to go and yeah work work abroad so yeah had was only planning to go and work for one year but then yeah stayed for like three years in new zealand and it's not too far right no so not not too far it's only, islands yeah. cross by so <laughs> it's only it's only like sunday night and uh, no sorry monday night uh there uh, but uh yeah so had three years there working working uh for a company called information leadership and yeah had a really good time there uh learned lots uh but then yeah decided to come back uh to to the uk because obviously travel is a lot easier uh time zones are a lot easier uh but uh and then i landed back in the uk just before covid uh 19 uh, hit in like march 2020 and then it was like i've got to find a job got to find a job but (laughs) fortunately my New Zealand company and my UK company, Intelligy, were part of the Microsoft Content Services Partner Program, which is well now Content AI uh, program. So uh, I approached Intelligy and said, I've been doing lots of work with Project Cortex and Content a- and AI. And uh, yeah, fortunately, I was able to join during COVID and didn't meet my uh, colleagues for a few months uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, fortunately, teams are okay. And then, yeah, then I've been at Intelligy ever since since uh, 2020, and yeah, now developing like yeah the content AI practice. And so yeah, it's all all uh, yeah very good at the moment. Thank you. And it's it's having those few years somewhere else is probably refreshing as well. So once what any any like for me let's say, a smile perspective. Any any massive cultural differences between New Zealand and UK? They're completely the same, isn't it? Almost the flag is almost the same, isn't it? Almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> There's a smaller version of UK flag in the New Zealand flag. Come on. Yeah. So. No. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's just, um, I, I'm a, yeah, I, I love my sports, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I love my football, uh, but, and, yeah. It's always football, um, but uh, yeah, New Zealand, uh, yeah, they're big into their rugby and I don't mind, uh, yeah, rugby, but uh, yeah, I much prefer my uh, football and yeah, the time zones don't play, so you'd be getting up in the middle of the night to watch uh, football, uh, but uh, no, I think, yeah, we are we are quite similar uh, in terms of yeah, New Zealand and UK people and yeah i i really love love my time there um and like i thought uh my my probably the only difference was in terms of technology when uh i left uh the uk in 2016 um uh, it was sharepoint on i was doing lots of work in sharepoint online and then i went to new zealand and i was like going back in time because we were still building SharePoint uh, on-premise servers. But that was like coming back to data centers, that was because like the nearest data center was in Australia and they hadn't no data centers in the UK. So. But it's just close by, isn't it? New Zealand yeah. and Australia, it's, it's just, just <laughs> yes. like 
Two kilometers are a lie. You can pop there on your on your weekend. So yeah, it was like kind of going back in time. Uh, like yeah, still building uh, SharePoint 2013 servers and but uh, yeah, then um, yeah, we did catch up. But it was quite good because my SharePoint online background, M365 background, was really good when I got a job in New Zealand because I yeah I, I was. They deem the M365 experts. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, there was lots of good opportunities there to bring people up to speed. And then, yeah, they, they do have uh, New Zealand data centers now. But, no, it was a very, very good learning experience. And, yeah, it was tough to leave. Like, we lived in Wellington and I walked walked to work via the harbour uh, every morning. And it was, yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, it was tough, tough to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I can only imagine the the difference. I have never been in New Zealand or in Australia, but mm-hmm. you know. And it's actually kind of always fun to to talk about the, the New Zealand and and Australia. They're right next to each other. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, but in the map, you know, <laughs> the distances are pretty big. <laughs> it's all yeah. On, on there, right, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Cool. Um. Any any. Uh, so I think we we probably should be catching up, uh, closing up uh, in a second as well. But any anything interesting that you're working on this week, Leon? Uh, let's do a quick recap on, on something interesting what's happening. So um, I think uh, in terms of my content AI stuff, I've, I've got some uh, project going live in a, in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of the content AI bit, uh, I'm, I've been doing some work with the native parts of syntax so as your forms recognizer by on its own so without using uh, syntax so yeah that's doing technical drawing plans and yeah that's been really interesting seeing see, playing about with the underlying uh, technology so yeah, yeah that's as i've spoken about getting information about uh, yeah the drawing plans so they're all tagged and yeah we can do do stuff with them um, that I have to say because I didn't say that when it came off my mind earlier on that that discussion is that it's actually kind of interesting how the the Microsoft 365 is actually the the abstraction layer on Azure, right? So yeah, the no. same same completely applies in Power Apps or in Power Automate especially because Power Automate is an abstraction layer in the Logic Apps. So it's it's kind of a you've got pass, you've got pass. It's exactly, pass, pass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it's 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 an interesting kind of a way of also thinking that that whatever we have in Azure you can of course you can use it and as a raw service like you're now planning to test out yeah. things but then we make also Microsoft is planning to make more and more money on bringing that abstraction so making it more approachable rather than just being the developer tool yeah so, and but. looking at where we are heading more and more as a low code no code and and simple services I guess that is a trend so. Mm. But I found it really interesting going into the back end uh, because you can see what technologies are being built in there, yep. well, what features are being built in there, and then you'll be like, oh, hopefully this will come to Syntex soon. Or if you see some error in Syntex, like, yeah, you'll often be able to see um, some different documentation uh, in the Azure layer uh, that will explain it better, perhaps. Yep. Or, yeah, you'll see an error and you'll be. Yeah, I think all oh, that happened in forms recognizer. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah very useful to know what yeah what the tools are behind the scenes. Uh, so, sure. yeah, that's probably my in- most interesting uh, piece of work this week. Anything interesting, Wilder? Well, you're a lot of stuff I know. Always, but... always. Um, <laughs> yeah. So 
right now we're in a place where we're doing some internal works plans um, for things that we want to launch eventually. So things will start coming early March. Uh, before that, we're going to launch a few things. So nothing to share yet, but we're busy writing plans, preparing, aligning with different folks across the company, across different things. And we keep um, developing a proxy, right? So a while back, we launched the, the Microsoft Graph Developer uh, proxy that allows you to test basically API errors, to model API errors uh, on your box. Just the other day, we shipped a new feature that allows you to build a plugin, right? So imagine you want to do something that we don't offer yet. You can now build your own plugin and bring it in. So you, you don't need to build your own tool. You, you can basically build on our runtime and add your specific things that we don't do yet. Oh. Um, so that is already merged in a code. We haven't uh, done a release yet. The release will come at the end of the month. And we have a few, few other things um, on our list to do. So that is in progress. CLI-wise, uh, CLI from Microsoft 365, we're doing a few things too. So basically, stay tuned for more updates coming soon. Yeah. And on my side, it's a lot about planning, planning, planning. There's a lot of actually uh, semester reviews right now having happening this week, which is cool. So um, things which we cannot talk about yet, because th this is planning basically on on what the ODSP and especially the SharePoint experiences with Viva Topics and Viva Connections, Viva Home, and all of that is is basically what are we planning to do in this semester and then in the future. Um, this that time of the year. Uh, I think we are actually also rolling out uh, the Viva Home uh, to targeted release tenants this week. So that's a early teaser on, on something. Now, yeah, it might be actually out when we're releasing this or then I'm just leaking out the information. You know, it could happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually really interesting as well. So the, the Viva Home dimension now arriving as well. So there's a lot of, lot of interesting stuff uh, coming soon. Cool. Anyway, thank you, Leon. Uh, really awesome discussion um, and, and cool to have a insights from your side. Uh, we can now see that the lights are coming uh, on actually outside. So <laughs> I didn't realize that it's a window. It's outside. It's out. Yes. Cool. But thank you, Leon. Uh, really awesome discussion. And, and we'll get you back on the show at some point and uh, talk about whenever we, of course, get more AI stuff uh, out. I'm pretty sure that you're up to date on what's happening there. Thank but. you, Vesta. Thank you, Vorek. Uh, no, pleasure you. to be on. Uh, and yeah, have a good day. And yeah, again, thanks for having me. Thanks, Leon. And Thank you. from here, we'll jump on the weekly articles with Valdek. OK, bye. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Leon. One more time on that one. Uh, really cool discussion. And, and it's, it's actually, of course, we don't really script any of these discussions, so it's cool to see how the, how the discussion always goes to a certain direction, because at least for me, that discussion uh, concluded or had few kind of a, oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, so um, so without actually thinking that before the interview, so have during the interview coming uh, some of those ideas. Um, I think AI in enterprises is going to be huge. The question is, when is it ready for that? Because there's a, like we discussed, there's this huge difference between having an access on open world and all the information which is openly available for everybody through Bing or Google versus the enterprise world and the privacy and security and access points and the, the persona level and what am I allowed to share with Valdek versus what am I allowed to share with somebody else. So My gut feeling tells me that 
actually the more important questions will be well when will people be ready for AI true. in the enterprise true. That, that's because i think like well. we've already seen wow way back when already quite a few years you know dell you could think of it as a precursor to that sure maybe yep. it isn't ai right because it's all based on signals that are already tracked right so it doesn't really have learning models behind or at least it didn't have that it was all yep. based on you know because we did a meeting, there is a recorded signal of that relationship between us and based on that it can infer some of these things yep. Yep. but already that opened a huge discussion about like hey if i do things what people will be able to see and do i want that and do i want yep. to see it from others like do we allow that as a company so all sure. of that i think is just early days as much as everyone is excited about it it's still early days to yep. um really get adoption of that and i think like i wonder like i don't think that it will be different you know from autonomous cars like the law around it and what is allowed what is permitted you know all the rules around it that that will take way longer yeah. than for the us building the tech corporate controls and security and, and also the the internal compliance or, or making sure that the privacy of the individual persons are not getting um especially outside of well, there are there are different rules between privacy between the countries in the world. Let's put it that way. Even that, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the the Delve Delve is such a great example, or even the search was such a great example at some point because people were like, yeah, but now I can find all of the documents which I have access. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, but then if somebody is accidentally adding a document which is not meant to be found, well, but that's a mistake. So it's kind of a, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you always were able to access that you just didn't sure. know right because like sure. in the past before delve you didn't it didn't occur to you to search for things of which you didn't know and delve yeah. made that visible because exactly. you had a relationship with a person that person shared a document in the open knowingly or not and that made it show up in their page yep. right so yep. it kind of made it implicit like they or explicit like how important it is to really secure your work and think about it if you create something, who should be able to access that? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, let's jump on the weekly articles. A lot of, lot of, lot of Microsoft stuff uh, this time, uh, which is kind of understandable. Uh, people come back from the holiday break and then they jump on, <gasps> we need to get stuff moving. So let's start with uh, the blog post with Mark Cashman, uh, which is the Fast Fridays with Jeff Pieper, the Zone podcast, a really great podcast uh, with Mark Cashman and uh, Chris McNulty. And in this time, they have a Jeff Pieper uh, as the visitor and they talk about Fast Fridays, which is a really cool uh, weekly uh, summary in five minutes which Jeff actually shares across his organization so it's 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 really like the the flow of thoughts and pinpointing like six to ten ish uh, items in a slide and call they're calling them out so where where has he spent time and and also what are, what are the main decisions so and of course on top of that you can then start finding additional details if there's anything interesting but it really gives a nice summary in five minutes again on on what's actually happening within an organization so really really cool to get this one shared also externally out so great way of communicating um and having that consistent every single friday something is coming out so really cool good uh the next one uh was a four goals setting trends for 2023 and how microsoft vivo goals can help from vetri velori 
Definitely, right? So as the year starts, many, many companies plan uh, based on the calendar year. And I think this post is a timely way to reiterate the importance of goals, goals for a company or even for, for an org or a team, right? And yep. how the tools the, that we offer at Microsoft and help you with that. So a great Absolutely. article. It's not really technical. It's more a, you know, more around Sexual. the concept of, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So a great reference material to start and, and think about uh, goals. Absolutely, absolutely. Then we had a, a blog post uh, around 10 years of Microsoft 365, more benefits and even better prices. Uh, so basically an update of, of Microsoft 365 being available uh, for 10 years. And one of the, the points here is, is for a consumer side, there's the Microsoft 365 basic. Um, and that's going to be, well, we have the Microsoft 365 family for our family. And that gives me like five terabytes of storage in the cloud, which is, by the way, huge. Um, but Two videos, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but this is a bit more affordable. Uh, so basically, a pricing is is more affordable, and then you have less storage. But it's still making sure that all of the even personal file, your personal files, and like images, um, I sync all of my my images from iPhone directly to the cloud, so they're guaranteed to be safe. So really, really cool stuff as an example on that. And other updates as well. What's actually happening around Microsoft 365? Now. Then we had a blog post from Mikhail Hershovich. Yes, exactly, about how Microsoft Teams empowers your retail workers to do more with less. Already, I don't know how long, it was already for two years, I think it was like, it's really big area for us at Microsoft to uh, to focus on frontline workers and how, yep. you know, our tools that we offer can help them work, right? So uh, it's all about uh, retail, blue collar, right? All of that. How they can use the tools that information workers use behind the screen, how that works in the field out there. So it's yep. a really interesting article, like for if you're not exposed to that every day, it's a great way to see like how, for example, Teams is being used uh, by other folks, right? So yep. so it's, uh, yeah, it, it is, and if anything else, if it's an eye-opening article, of, um, um, at least to me, to learn about this inspirational ideas and then how yeah. other businesses can adapt on these things and really really cool stuff as well so i i think we should have uh, much more of this across the different industries and explaining how the tooling can be used because unfortunately we as microsoft we always focus on cool tool and it's like yeah but what does it mean in practice cool tool take, take this tool yeah i get that that's really cool but what does it mean for our employees what does it mean for our company is, is always the key and then having that industry specific messaging is really key here so cool to say that from nicole now uh then we had a blog post in microsoft viva blog make your goals reality with okrs and new capabilities for microsoft viva goals an update on the what's happening in the microsoft viva goal site uh, so that's a kind of a yearly recapping on on what's happening and uh, related on that other blog post as well and uh, but how you can do those OKRs and how does it actually work and how do you can how you can integrate even the uh, Viva goals to other systems. So really, really cool stuff as well. Then there was a blog post from Andrea Lum, reach your learning goals with learning path and collection. Exactly, right? So a big part of the way we work is to learn, you know, evolve, learn new concepts, new skills. And this article is about how you can create and craft learn content for your org right so it's um it's it's another interesting example of how you use again our tools that we offer 
to facilitate the learning aspect of your org. Yep, absolutely. Really, really cool stuff as well. Now, uh, then there was a blog post uh, in Microsoft 365 blog, a tech community on bookable time coming soon to Outlook. An interesting concept as well. Uh, I guess this relates on the booking service somewhat, uh, some, but ideas are the same. But basically, having a dedicated time period within your calendar where you can say, hey, this is, this is fine for anybody to actually book my time. Um, not a bad idea, actually. So in, it depends on a company culture as well. So quite often I still get those, hey, Vesa, when, is your, when do you have open time next week for whatever meeting? It's like, no, go to my calendar. My calendar is open for every single Microsoft employee. And then it has family time and sleeping times, just in case. So everybody knows when I'm actually <laughs> working. So yeah. find, a, find a suitable spot, just take it. So there's no yeah. reason for having that e endless email discussion. How about Tuesday, 8 a.m., what time zone? So anyway. Yeah. Good. And then there was a blog post, uh, well, technically um, published by me, but um, uh, from a, the PMs of the Microsoft, uh, sorry, the SharePoint Pages API for Microsoft Graph. Uh, and we had a nice video related on that, this one as well, released with where we show how those APIs are working. So there's a now a public API release available. And, and we really, 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 really want people to have um, feedback and test out things and let us know what works, what doesn't work uh, before we actually roll out in the, in the uh, V1 release. Really I cool. guess, yeah, this is really cool. So the one step at a time by getting there, um, it's should have been there for a while already. But hey, <laughs> progress, progress. One, one step at a time, yeah, yeah, one exactly. step at a time. The other thing which we released last week uh, was the adaptive card extension. Uh, Viva uh, for Viva Connection and Viva Home, a learning module. Uh, so specific learning module, actually one hour fifty minutes, so pretty long one, uh, on creating uh, ACs uh, with SharePoint framework for Viva Connection and and for Viva Home. Viva Home is rolling out starting this week, so it's not yet in the official name of this learning module, but you know. Um, Let's see how we are changing the product names because apparently we want to change the product names all the time, you know, so because that's always smart, isn't it? So, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like for one, it only shows, you know, that idea that as we roll some things out, we get new ideas, we get yes. feedback, new insights, yes. and we learn and adapt as opposed to say, no, 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 yep. we call this this thing, so it's got to stay like that forever. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It's also evolution learning from the from the from the actions. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So, but anyway, this one is is all about building those ACE components. <laughs> then we had an update from the Power Platform side, which is really really cool as well, uh, on the the independent uh, publisher connectors. Uh, so, twenty new independent publisher connectors available. The stats on the the independent publisher connectors are really wild. So, there's I think there's even more independent publisher connectors than the official ones, which is really, really cool. So it really shows the power of open scale. source community and scale. scale and, and yeah, yeah, so yeah. Definitely. Even though 50% of them has been actually created by Troy Taylor. No, just kidding. <laughs> Troy has been super <laughs> fundamental on, on making this happen. So thank you, Troy, on that. But of course, thank you for everybody else as well who, who are contributing on this uh, open source project. And then this one was interesting as well. You said actually that hey, that's interesting. I want to actually yeah. do that. Yeah, so get more done or get done more with Excel and Power Automate. And the idea is that if you are in an Excel sheet and you want to do something about that sheet, you can start uh, 
automation of it from Excel sheet, right? So in Excel, you have, you have now the ability to create a flow and that flow will be automatically attached to that Excel sheet already. And you yep. can run a script or do some other things. But at that stage, Power Automate already knows that you want to do things on that Excel sheet as opposed to you having to start from with the file. Power yeah. Automate, adding yeah. Excel uh, connector, connecting to the right sheet and so forth and so on. So yep. this is a really great way, especially given how widely Excel is used and for the range of different things you can use it, right? So this is a yep. really cool thing. And I immediately have a need for this. Like, like there's something on my on my plate that I wanted to automate for the last few uh, weeks. So I might just try this because like I had a need to run something once a day and add a row to a table. And sure, like I might think about I'm going to build Azure function and storage is like, but I have the data in Excel sheet and I have the chart and that's all I really need. So if I can use this, that would be brilliant. That would solve yep. my need with fraction of the effort. Absolutely, absolutely, really cool stuff. Then there was a uh, blog post from Power Apps blog, easily shared devices between multiple frontline workers using Power Apps shared device mode. And this is basically the, the scenario where the frontline workers are sharing the same, for example, mobile phone uh, based on a work. So let's say a bus driver who comes to work grabs the company phone with them as they're driving around and then they leave it uh, in the in the company as they uh, stop their uh, shift. Uh, so having multiple people sharing the same device and how, how would that actually work um, in the Power App scenario? And that's now possible. That's actually really cool. A lot of, lot of work on the frontline worker targeting side uh, from Microsoft. Now, the next five are actually just a, a series of uh, SPFX development blocks. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on mentioning all of them, but basically I'm writing now, I'm forcing myself to write a short blog post every single day uh, because of, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, I mean, so that is an interesting thing, right? Like, what has your experience been about, about it so so far? Um, right, because like, given the fact that that it's just one, one more thing that, that you do, how does that fit and how does what is the experience so far and what is the impact out of that so uh, it's actually kind of interesting to force yourself to write a one blog post every single day uh, this was a this is a, a <laughs> longer longer story why the, why this happened but now i'm actually committed on doing that in january uh, and it's all good um, but it's it's it actually, the idea of this is that they're not super long. We're referencing existing material, but then uh, we also have the Q&A section where we actually mention some of the frequently asked questions where, and that's kind of providing additional insights on, hey, people are asking these kind of things and, uh, and, and let's actually tackle that in this blog post. Um, it's, it's an interesting exercise to force yourself to write something every single day um, and having that time booked. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday last week when I got the, the blog post out at 11.30 uh, in the evening. But, you know, because I needed to do that, I needed to do that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promised to do that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's an interesting exercise. And, and clearly, actually, this is getting surprisingly a lot of attention in, in some of the social media platforms, which is cool. So people are looking into having this kind of recap. Um, SharePoint Framework has existed for what, uh, five years, six years already. So having this kind of a, hey, this is where you start and it is a series and we link those uh, between each other as well. So you can actually run through from a day one 
towards, and then we cover different uh, topics, or I cover different topics. Um, luckily, I will be getting some contributions from your MVPs in the in the upcoming weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. This is cool, though. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting um, exercise for sure. So. Now, related on uh, blocking a lot as well, uh, Peter Spenstra had two blog posts from last week related on his Power Microsoft Craft series uh, in the Power Platform, uh, which are really good. Two approaches of filtering and selecting data from Microsoft Craft in Power Automate was one of the blog posts. Um, mm -hmm. Talks about the different options and how do I do, how do we filter, how do we hit those APIs as, uh, in the Power Automate. And the second one was subscribe to Microsoft Craft using Power Automate. That's actually really interesting. Um, exactly, from right? a storyline perspective. Because because there are two ways like you can get the data. You can get yep. get the data as you poll. So right now I want to get data about X. Or you can do it in a more reactive way. When something has changed, I want yep. to know about it and then react to it. Yes. Right? So so depending on what is it that you want to achieve, like you might need either approach. And the cool thing is they are both available. So you can complete yep. both of them using Microsoft Graph and Power Automate. Absolutely, absolutely. Great work on that. Now, uh, uh, Paolo Pialorosi from PSS uh, had a new update on uh, episode 1234 using Azure Key Vault from Power Automate. So really cool scenario as well. Thank you, Paolo, on that. And then we had Juliana De Luca with a new video. Yes, about how to create a poll with multiple questions in Microsoft Teams. Right, So this is more a end user scenario where you have the ability now to create polls in Microsoft Teams and how you would do it, how you would go about it. Yep, thank you, Juliana, on that. Uh, Shane had a new video on used five unpopular controls to build a Power App Quiz app and elevate your UX. Um, that's not actually, and that's, that's a decent thing. How are they unpopular? Are they unpopular because people don't know about them or are they unpopular because they are really bad? Uh, or they look ugly or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, check the video. Uh, you'll see more and about you that yeah, one. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then the last video uh, is with Julie and Bob Turner. Julie Turner uh, from Simpraxis and Bob uh, Chairman uh, from Microsoft around JavaScript modules 101. Uh, still need to bundle your browser code. Do you? Yes. Do you? Do you need to bundle? Well, that is a good question. Button. Watch the video. Find <laughs> out. Yes, indeed. Cool. We already went through what's going to happen uh, this week. I guess that's pretty much it then. That is it. So long and thanks for all the fish. My cat is not almost falling asleep, but he's not. He's here <laughs> saying yep. bye to you. Loki is taking care of you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why are you disturbing Why me, are human? you? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Leave stop, me alone. Stop. Oh, give me no, the I'm food when I want. Other life. than that. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop bothering me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cool. Thanks, everybody, for watching uh, or listening, depending on which format you're using, and, and we'll be back uh, within a week. Please remember to provide feedback if you have suggestions, ideas, or what should, uh, let us know if you, you like the show. You create content. Oh, exactly. That's even more important. <laughs> Hashtag BMP Weekly and Twitter. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye.